Welcome back to Two Dudes Watch Cartoons, the podcast where two dudes, that's us, watch cartoons. My name's Evan. And my name is Alex. And today we've got a really fun one. We're covering uh, the Into the Spider-Verse, Spider-Man cartoon. And today we're also joined by another two dudes who also sometimes watch cartoons, mostly watch Marvel and Star Wars stuff. Uh, It's the two hosts of the Stark Wars podcast. We're joined today by good friends Michael and Tommy. Michael, Tommy, how are you guys doing today? Ooh, glad to be here. Yeah, I got my graffiti ready. I guess it wouldn't be graffiti. It'd be spray paint. I got my spray paint ready. Ready to go into the tunnels. Let's do this. I mean, you guys kind of multiplied, and I guess the this would mean that like we are the alternate universe version of you guys, right? <laughs> um, I, I have joked in the past with Alex that uh, we should start a, a competing another podcast to compete with Star Wars, but only do uh, Warner Brothers DC properties. And, and we'd call it Wayne of Thrones. Oh, you know? I think that's the most comparable to, to yeah. the Star Wars. As close as we can We'd get. cover Game of Thrones also. Yeah, it. it'd be good. <laughs> yeah, then we'll do a spinoff that's going to be uh, two dudes listen to cartoons. And we're not going to watch any of them. We're just going to listen to the audio of them and then podcast about it. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> We'll, we'll have a whole multiverse a uh, uh, podcast network soon enough. Yes. Um, so Into the Spider-Verse, it's a couple of years old now, um, but it, it is still a classic and it's obviously a Marvel property, which you guys love. We also love. Um, but real briefly by the numbers, this was released back in December of 2018, directed by Peter Ramsey, Rodney Rothman, Bob Persietti, and probably most notably known for being produced by Phil Lord and Chris Miller, uh, who are famous for 21 Drum Street, the Lego movie, yes. and most recently Netflix's Mitchell's First the Machines, which is also a phenomenal movie. Um, and it grossed a total box office of $375 million on a budget of $90 million and is Sony's, Sony's highest grossing animated film, beating out Hotel Transylvania 2. <laughs> are those movies good the second Has one not the first movies? one the second one I, i've seen the trailers and they like it's like a bunch of fart humor from my understanding i don't know that. <laughs> yeah i think it's like adam sandler doing a vampire act well i guess transylvania accent uh not my not my cup of tea weirdly enough there were a lot of de- uh deleted scenes in the bonus features for spider-verse and a lot of them had these weird like moments of like butt humor or like Miles getting pants. And I was like, this is a weird direction. I'm kind of glad they cut all this because they just made it so much more elementary. But yeah, it's uh, I'm glad they cut that stuff out. They were trying to go with the smash hit Hotel Transylvania 2. They were trying to mi- mimic it a little bit off their, their other success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right what you know, I guess. Um, it's got a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes and it won uh, the the Oscar for best animated picture that year beating out Incredibles two and Rolf breaks the internet and Wes Anderson's Isle of dogs, which are all fantastic movies. Stacked competition. I imagine that's gotta be uh, like a little bit of extra salt in the wound because Phil Lord and Chris Miller had just been fired from solo that year as well. And that one flopped. 
But yeah, two, two years. How do you guys think it holds up? Uh, have, how many times have you guys watched it in the past couple of years? What are your thoughts going back to revisit it? Well, so it was on it was on Netflix for a while, and I we kind of that was the roadblock we ran into is that we were gonna have to figure out how to watch it. Uh, I I did end up buying it because I know that I'm gonna watch this movie a hundred times, and I've watched it a hundred before. Mm-hmm. And I think the the big thing for me uh, specifically is I've got three kids, so I. And I'm very picky about what they watch. And and honestly, they're probably even a little bit too young for Spider-Verse, but I love the movie so much that I feel like it's a good one for them to grow up with. So mm-hmm. I've played that movie a hundred times for them. It's and I've probably movie. like, yeah, I, I've sat down myself and watched it completely like maybe 15 times. I mean, this is this is probably not just my favorite Marvel movie, but one of my favorite superhero movies. Um, I think it holds up. I watched it again. And like even... Um, so I got home from work today and I was trying to watch it before we got on here and I didn't even finished the last 15 minutes, but I know the movie like the back of my hands. So I was like, it's cool. You know? So, uh, no, I, this is, uh, yeah. A lot of love for this movie. Yeah. So for me too, I, uh, have watched this numerous times. I have the Blu-ray copy because I'm a big black Friday shopper at, uh, Thanksgiving time. <laughs> and I always go and get DVDs on Thanksgiving and, uh, you, you bet your bottom dollar that. Into the Spider Verse <laughs> was one of those movies I thought. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it just holds up so well still. And like the amount of details that these people put into the movie, both like Easter eggs of the comics, but also just the styling. The styling looks like the comics and the music fits so well. Everything is so crisp and so uh, there was a clear direction in what they were trying to accomplish with this movie that. I I don't think you get bored rewatching it every single time. Mm-hmm. Alex, what about you? I really think what is so great about this is Spider-Man for all intents and purposes, like this or X-Men was the first like superhero blockbuster movie like uh, that I can think of back from our childhood. And I just think it's great that this is 18 years later from mm-hmm. that original and we're getting a completely like fresh take fresh look at the Spider-Man story, a, a, a tale as old as time at this point. How many Spider-Mans are there? How many Spider-Mans like uh, when this was announced, I was like an animated Spider-Man. Are you kidding me? How many Spider-Mans are they going to do? But somehow this is able to separate itself from the other Spider-Mans and really make a name for itself. And so I think like uh, Michael O'Rear was saying over here, it, it can be probably your favorite Marvel movie because it's such a standout. It's so unique in everything that it does story-wise, animation-wise. It's just top-notch. And so I loved it in 2018. Uh, I admittedly probably haven't watched it since probably 2019 when me and Evan tried to podcast about it before and failed. But that's a different story. And revisiting it was just so fun. It was like such a joy to go back to. I think that's the best way to put it is like the whole movie just evoked such like positive emotions for me visually story wise. It was great. 10 out of 10. I wanted to say like, I guess the big reason the the thing that I love about this is because it is the type of movie I can watch with my kids. It's the type of movie I can watch with myself. It's the type of movie I can laugh at. It's the type of movie I can cry at. And it's, it's got, I mean, it's great, great story elements. It's hilarious. I mean, it's got everything you could possibly want in a movie. And I, and I also want to say this about, uh, for me, when I grew up, 
um, a lot, like in the late 90s, early 2000s, a lot of kids' movies were focused around sports. And if there was like a, yeah. a, a, a different type of movie, it would it would be like, oh, this person's a musician. You know, those are usually like the two hobbies that kids had. And this is like the first uh, movie that I can even think of off the top of my head that really focuses on like creativity and art. And like, that's the kind of thing that, uh, like I'm way more left brain and I never related to those, the athletes. Right. So seeing that and then being able to pass that on to my kids and show them that like, Hey, this stuff's cool too. And I think the, I think Spider-Man in general, I mean the comic books and then the Sam Raimi movies, they were very much more focused. Like, Hey, this guy's a nerd. He's a scientist, you know? And, and I think that that, (laughs) that did that for certain kids. And I think this does something else for artistic kids. It's a great point. Mm -hmm. I think the highest praise I can give this movie is that, uh, my wife also really enjoys this movie and she's not typically <laughs> one to enjoy like comic book superhero movies, which are the only movies I really <laughs> love to, to watch. Unfortunately, <laughs> But, um, yeah, I would agree. I mean, I would agree with you. Like there was definitely slim pickings of, uh, animated films, uh, or like there's a steep drop off in quality from like the Disney nineties stuff to like the rest of the marketplace. Cause if it wasn't a Disney movie, it was like, the land before time or whatever <laughs> that one is with the talking vacuum and toaster and like, Oh, Brave little toaster. <laughs> yeah. that's such a good one. You're going to give me nightmares. Don't, yeah. I don't need to, I don't need to revisit hey, that. He, he went to Mars. He did that before Elon. So you know what? We need to put respect <laughs> on Brave little toaster's name. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm frightened. Uh, when it was announced, at least, I feel like the general consensus was like, we don't need another Spider-Man movie, at least until um, they you know, announced that it was going to be the Miles Morales version. Because we had just had Andrew Garfield, only made it two movies in. They fumbled the ball, uh, and then they rebooted with Tom Holland, who, for I really like Homecoming, didn't care that much for Far From Home. How do you guys feel about Tom Holland's take? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm kind of with you there. I think Homecoming is is at least top 10 MCU movies. Far From Home, I don't love it as much, but I love Mysterio specifically. So that that, that was probably my favorite part of the, that movie. I'm a big Tom Holland Spider-Man fan. Yeah, and it's hard to compare the movies, right? Because like they are different in like, the sense, like, first off, I mean, we have two different characters. One's playing Peter Parker, one's playing Miles. And like what's cool is like both their storylines are so different in a lot of ways. Like when Miles came onto the the comic book world, it was a big deal. Um, first of all, for like if we're talking about like diversity, it was a big deal to have. Um, I b- believe he is a Puerto Rican and uh, and African American. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's like that was big. And then um, yeah. just the way the character worked in the world. So it is fun. But yeah, I love both movies differently. I think for me. Uh, Obviously, a big Tom Holland fan. Love the Spider Man mm-hmm. uh, in that, but this was cool. I'll just like kind of, you know, we know Marvel's setting up the multiverse, right? Like that's coming. Mm-hmm. Spider Man was like Sony was just like cool, cool, cool. We're just gonna do it real quick. I <laughs> <laughs> did it first. Yeah, I think that's a really funny point, Tommy. I think that with Marvel now like doing all of this stuff, jumping into the multiverse, I think it's so funny that. Just a few years earlier, this movie was just like, fuck it. We'll take a chance on this convoluted storyline. We're going to throw in maybe 
10, 12 different Spider-Mans and just let the audience kind of do with it as they will. I love when uh, creators like don't dumb things down for an audience. Like we're smart, especially the people that are going to enjoy this movie. They know what an alternate dimension is. It's not that complicated, but I feel like for a lot of Marvel, like up until end game, they were like iffy on any sort of time travel or different dimensions, rightfully so. Cause it can get convoluted, but this is just, this is peak storytelling. This was so fun the way they did this multiverse that it, it didn't make it bogged down or confusing or uh, at all. It was fun to follow if that makes sense. Yeah. The, the Peter Parker storyline at, at this point is just like, uh, it's all, it's, akin to like a Bible story. Like, you know, yeah. the story of Peter Parker, uh, you know, getting bit by a spider. It's just common knowledge. And so we don't need to tread that ground again, as we have in three separate movie franchises now. And we get to explore this newer version, uh, Miles Morales, who I think he was created in 2011 in the comics. Um, Miles Morales is voiced by Shamik Moore. Um, he was in the get down on Netflix, which I actually really love that series. If any, you guys yeah. have seen it. I don't know. I think he does a great, he, he, he brings a really uh, youthful, vibrant energy to it. And this whole voice cast has a lot of great, um, just one, a, a, like a plus tier stars, but like cast chemistry, they, they, they work together so well. I think one thing you pointed out, Evan, is that we've seen the Spider-Man origin story so many times this movie also like pokes fun at it. It, it. They poke fun at the fact that we know this origin story so well and that it's literally been beaten to death. And they don't do it in such a, uh, but they do it in a tongue in cheek way. Mm-hmm. It's not like super in your face, but that's part of the joke is, and we get those beginning intros to all the Spider-Mans that we meet, which I do really like those sequences. But you know, the reason it's funny is because we do know They give us the abridged version because we know it. We've been hearing it for so long now. And that's one thing I appreciate about this movie is they cut to the chase. Mm -hmm. So uh, one thing you might learn about me, and this is what Tommy makes up for, is on the start. I'm not a I'm not huge into the comic books. I I don't know a lot of what goes on. I've read some stuff here and there, but uh, it's it's not deep for me. So for me, coming into this movie, not knowing anything about uh, Miles, Miles Morales, it, it. and, and then seeing his story, because like you said, uh, uh, Peter Parker's story, is, it's very biblical. And and this story is very Shakespearean almost. I mean, these are like very deep and powerful stories about family that, I mean, and, and we'll, I guess we'll talk about the, the, the big twist that I guess if you are a Miles Morales fan, you probably know about. But uh, I, I had no I, I had no idea that that uh, Uncle Aaron was going to be Prowler, and that that kind of even even watching the reveal again today, like the hairs on the back of my neck stood up, and is and the music accompanying it. Uh, we we've yet to mention the soundtrack, which is absolutely incredible. But just that moment, and then like everything throughout with his dad, and it, man, it's it, it's it's very powerful stuff. So it, it is like it's got the same gravitas as the original Peter Parker stuff with a fresh story, which I really appreciate. Yeah, no, I mean Miles Morales like the whole thing with him is like his legacy is in the movies. Like, you know, if you watch the, the new Spider-Man's, I mean, Ned is based on uh, a friend in, in Miles Morales's world. There's um, he's seen in, in the movie in, and in into the uh, Spider-Verse, you see him as his roommate, right? Um, 
he's known as a comic as the man behind the computer that they basically took that character and just respun it into what Ned is now today. And the, the, the impact of that. And then also like, I mean, miles was basically created because of Don Glover. Like that's where the inspiration came from was yeah. Don Glover was, I, I think in community, he wore a Spider-Man I love outfit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The creators were like this. And then that's why it's so meta when he then goes into, you know, we're, we're jumping to all the spider but when he goes, when Don Glover played, the uncle and uh he plays uncle Aaron yeah. in homecoming it's so like stuff like that's cool and it's it, it's just a lot of fun and like it's it, it, like it's fun for me as someone who does know the comic books to see how they put that in there and I, I agree with what alex is saying of like they did yada yada a little bit but i think that's okay you get the people that don't know the comic book stuff the stuff they need to know because like we could have spent a movie on each of these characters you know gwen stacy's or spider spider gwen storyline is really tragic in a lot and and i felt like they handled it well enough that they needed to in a movie that's about miles while also giving each of the characters enough backstory that you as someone who may not know everything can follow along Mm -hmm. uncle aaron voiced by uh mahershala ali wonderful actor who will be amazing uh blade in future marvel movies which is great casting um, Spider Gwen, voiced by Haley Steinfeld from the Pitch Perfect movies, and she's also in Split. Well, hey, if if you didn't know, Haley Steinfeld is soon going to be Kate Bishop in the Hawkeye series. Oh, I did not know that, but she's in Split, go. and she was pretty good in Split. I didn't know that. Uh, oh, what? So I'm I'm not super familiar. I, I know who Gwen Stacy as the in the the mainstream continuity her story. Uh, in relation to Peter Parker as his like girlfriend or whatever. So I'm not super familiar with spider Gwen's story. Uh, one question I did have that Tommy, you might be able to answer is like towards the end of the movie, she says she's like a little bit, maybe a year older than miles. And in her brief intro origin um, montage, her like inciting incident as a hero is the death of her best friend, Peter Parker, who's like a 40 year old man, man, what's the relation there? <laughs> I believe that uh and I don't know if the age is exactly the same there. Like I think Peter might be younger as well. Okay. That being said, um gotcha. the storyline is is kind of complex in the fact that like Peter Parker becomes the lizard. In this version, Peter Parker becomes mm-hmm. the lizard instead of um the doctor that they work with. And I don't know if the relationship ever was romantic. I think it really was just a best friendship, and basically Peter goes Okay. Peter becomes the villain, you know, like the guy said, if you're not the hero, you're going to be the villain. He was the, the villain and uh, she he died and it crushed her. And it's like a big thing for her and this like baggage that weighs on her storylines when she's ever in the comics. And the age thing is definitely a thing that comes up in the comics with like Spider-Gwen and Miles because there is a collaboration at one point. They do cross over just mm-hmm. like this. And there's obviously the romantic interest that we see in this movie as well. And it's kind of ends with like, then basically saying like Gwen saying like, you're a little too young for me. Sorry, but, but it's like mm-hmm. the chemistry is still there. It's, it, people still, you know, ship those two. Uh, as I think in this movie, a lot of people ship them in this movie as well. Yeah. Uh, while we're on uh spider Gwen here, I, I noticed something. Um, well, I've always picked up on it. I think I try to like edit this out in my head um, because it doesn't feel right to me. Uh, it's probably like the one part of the movie that like I still don't fully get. And maybe there's a reasoning that I haven't caught on to yet. Or maybe like there's something else going on that'll be explained in the second movie. But uh, Gwen, uh, Gwen is in uh, she is in Miles's world before 
Spider-Man goes into the Collider, unleashing the multiverse, which uh, because and then even when she goes back to explain how she got here, she's showing herself uh, being transported into this world. And then she goes to school and then she meets uh, Miles Morales. But that all happens before the Collider incident. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know if that's a pothole or. No, I think doesn't she explain it away saying that she, she pops out of the wormhole just like a couple days or maybe because they were they maybe were testing it multiple times, even mm-hmm. though it wasn't like the big explosion. They were testing it and she came through on one of the tests, I, I believe, is how they explained it. Uh, gotcha. Know. Okay. Um, if you, I didn't even pick up on that. If you guys missed it, Alex just texted in our group chat. <laughs> Haley's time belt is not in split. Please edit that out. No. Please Alex. edit out. Please edit out. No. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> Were you thinking of Anya Taylor Joy? <laughs> yes, I was. As soon as I said it, I was like, "Oh, it's not yeah. her." Almost as soon as it left my lips, I was like, "Oh, I don't think it is her." She's in the Bumblebee movie, I think, right? Yeah. All right. While I have the floor, I'm going to talk about Spider-Gwen. I really liked Spider-Gwen. It didn't, like, even though she is a little bit just like uh, Spider-Woman, you know, I'm always not not necessarily always a fan of just the female version of a same superhero, like Supergirl or, uh, uh, well, you get the point. But Spider-Gwen feels unique. Spider-Gwen feels like her own thing. And she doesn't feel forced. She feels like an alternate reality Spider-Man, like if that makes sense. And I don't know why, but I love Spider-Gwen's hood. That is my favorite part of Spider-Gwen. And it's badass. From my understanding, that's pretty faithful to the comics, right? Yeah, and yeah. it's I mean it is it is badass. Like it is all, all their all their costumes, every single spider version. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was oh, great. Yeah. And like, what is cool kind of going, what you're saying is like, they do make each of the spider people unique because each one kind of has, uh, it's not, they're all not Peter Parker powers. Like you see miles, you learn like he can, uh, he takes other spider powers, like the turning invisible. And I think he can do electroshock. Like those are his two mm-hmm. powers that he gained. And they, they base these on different kinds of spiders that exist and they're different defenses that they use out in the actual world that we exist in. So like, it's cool how they built these characters in each one. You have the one that's literally just a robot suit. Like, I don't know. It's, it's cool. What they did <laughs> with this stuff. I do appreciate that. They, uh, and I think Spider-Man homecoming did it, but they brought back the web shooters uh, which were explained in the Sam Raimi movies. But I, I like that there's this very practical limitation and obstacle uh, uh, set for Spider-Man. So he's not just wheeling and dealing all the time. <laughs> um, so the main, the, the main storyline, uh, Peter Parker is voiced by Chris Pine, who I didn't pick up right away, but then I was like, Oh my God, that's really great, great casting. Casting. And he sounds almost identical to Jake Johnson, weirdly enough, who voices our schlubby Peter Parker, who we meet a little bit later in the movie. It's funny how close they sounded. They sound so similar. I almost couldn't tell that it was a difference until I saw the the credits roll the first time. It almost was going to be Tobey Maguire. I believe he was in the talks. Oh, Oh, really? They were going to have Because that's like his version is essentially what, you know, yeah, they make a nod to the Spider-Man 3, uh, Tobey Maguire dancing down the sidewalk. <laughs> I saw uh, that too. Yeah, which is pretty funny. I caught that. 
and the TV show and uh, the theme song. I liked all those like fourth wall breaks that they had in that beginning where it's like, yeah. we know, <laughs> but yeah. I think Lord and Miller do a really great job of, and they do it in like the Lego movie of like doing this tongue in cheek, breaking the fourth wall, almost like internet paced Twitter type of humor that not a lot of other movies capture uh, or like comedy movies can capture yet. And, and nobody else does it really well. It makes it very distinctly uh, a Chris Lord and film or Phil Lord and Chris Miller movie. And it, you can see a lot of those same things in Mitchell's versus machines too. It's, they have such a strong voices as filmmakers that I really appreciate. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I, I mean, again, we kind of mentioned it. There, there's nothing else really like this. Like, and I, I was trying to think of other movies that kind of play with the same kind of style that, that Phil Lord and Chris Miller have. And obviously Mitchell's versus machines, but I, I also thought of Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Like that's the only other thing that I yes. can really think that kind of messes with that comic book style. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the only comparison I have. I'm so glad you said it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but but I think, again, I was kind of talking about how, like, this is good for kids to watch. And not only just in the fact, like, creativity is an actual theme in Miles' life, but it's just creativity on screen at all times. And, and the way they mix with different media as well, mm-hmm. they show, like, an actual photograph of the popsicle. And, uh, yeah, yeah, they, they're very inventive. And they, they're not afraid to, like, break, like, like you said, break that fourth wall. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I would definitely recommend if you can get your hands on a DVD or Blu-ray, checking out the bonus features. I think they're all on YouTube. I watched them all on YouTube today, actually. <laughs> so you know they're on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tried to play it off casually. Uh, but Sony did a lot of like innovative stuff with the animation where they were animating at like 12 frames per second as opposed to 24 frames per second. They were doing all these like stylistic things to make it look like it's uh, like almost blending the CGI with like a 2D comic booky feel. And it, I, I don't know, the movie just looks amazing. They have, they break shots up into different panels. Uh, they have like thought bubbles and the little narration squares. And it's just a really amazing movie to, to want just look at. Yeah, and they do stuff like um, color bleeding, which like happens with old comics, where like they did stuff like that, and like the the um, the team, not not just the main team, but like the writers and a lot of those people, like they are comic book nerds. Like I remember reading up on these people, and it's like they were really, it was really important to them to get most of this right. Mm-hmm. Well, I, one thing I really liked about Spider Gwen's uh, world is it's it's a a whole different type of creativity and it's an entire different art style and that it's like a, you see like paint strokes and um, I'm actually really hoping we explore that a little bit more in Spider-Verse 2 because I, I really was like captivated by her quick little backstory and what her world looked like because again that was just like a whole uh, not I mean obviously different universe but different style too so there is uh, a Spider-Verse sequel slated for 2022. And then I was looking on the Wikipedia page to see what else there, and there's not a whole lot of information uh, out about it yet, but Issa Rae is going to be on the voice cast, voicing an, uh, another Dimensions Spider-Woman. And uh, I think um, there is something in development of like a, a female spinoff of the Spider-Verse. So it'll have Spider-Gwen and Issa Rae's Spider-Woman. Penny Penny Parker, too, I'd hope. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love Very her. True. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget Nicolas Cage's Spider-Noir. He might be my favorite. So good. So good. Well, let's jump into that. What is everyone's favorite alternate Spider-Person? Uh, 
I I'll just I think the pig is hilarious. Spider Pig by John Mulaney is my favorite just for the comedy alone. Yeah, and talking about casting, like his performance of uh, uh, Peter Porker is absolutely <laughs> incredible. Yeah, I mean, he said he has like that very traditional voice actor sound when he's doing that character. Yeah. So it, it works well. Yeah, John Mulaney is perfect casting. He like once you hear him do that role, it doesn't seem like that much of an exaggeration of like his stand up specials. He, <laughs> he does kind of have like a old carnival barker like vibe to him when he talks but it's the perfect fit he totally does um for me i i I would say i think spider-man noir is my favorite voiced by nicholas cage uh freaking cage this uh like private eye detective from the 30s and he's only in black and white while the rest of the color the world world and movie is in color and i don't know it's just really funny he loves fighting (laughs) nazis it's like He's plucked out of the 30s and into this really high concept sci-fi movie, which is fantastic. So out of place. So out of left field. And (laughs) I I don't know. I don't know that any other movie would be able to pull off that type of humor and like make it work really well. Well, for the most part, Spider-Noir, he's not like telling jokes. Like he's saying (laughs) very serious things, but it's funny in contrast to everything else going around. One of my favorite lines is... He goes, sometimes I let the matches burn down to my fingertips just to feel something, anything. It's just like, that's not funny. Like, yeah. like in any other movie, that wouldn't be funny. It's so dramatic for the sake of being dramatic. And like, that's what it's so film noir. Like, that's like, it's a great character. I mean, all the entire cast is great. All of the spider versions are great. You know, even Jake, like Jake Johnson is, is Peter Parker, or at least the version that we get to spend the most time of. And he did great as like the almost like a, mm-hmm. uh, out of his luck, Peter Parker, they gained a little bit of weight. He has like one shoe on the entire movie. <laughs> uh, my, my roommate actually, fun fact, worked on Stumptown, which Jake Johnson was on. And they did a Halloween dress up thing. And oh, he dressed up awesome. as as him. And it would happen to be the day that Jake Johnson was on set. So he got a photo with him as the uh, Peter Parker version. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Jake Johnson from uh, New Girl. He's... One of my favorite comedic actors, to be honest, even though I don't know that much of what he's been in, but uh, his work he's on a New Girl. legend. Yeah. Um, Tag, which is actually a pretty funny movie. It is. Uh, it is I mean, a funny I, movie. I really like, there's this movie called Drinking Buddies. stars him and Olivia Wilde and Anna Kendrick. That's like this smaller indie. It's like this really heartfelt movie, and he, and he does a phenomenal job in it and he's he's been one of my favorite actors ever since that another voice is brian tyree henry as uh miles's father which another relation to our boy donald glover Mm -hmm. who stars on his show atlanta which is another great show but uh this cast is seriously just so top-notch zoe kravitz also plays mary jane watson it's just like really left field people like i is she really you wouldn't expect Nicolas Cage in this movie. Yeah, and Zoe Kravitz. I, it, uh-huh. It's crazy. And Catherine Hahn as uh, Liv Oct- the, uh, Liv- How can we forget? Yeah. Did you can- Olivia Octavia. It was Catherine yes. all the time. It was Catherine all along. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, that is her. <laughs> I was just going to double down on Brian Tyree Henry because he's probably one of my favorite modern day actors. Um, if Bill Street could talk, 
widows, um, anything Ooh. that he is. And he's in, I feel like he's almost in everything now. I think probably most recently he was in Godzilla versus Kong. And like that movie, I, you know, uh, I'm not sure what your take is on that, but he was really great in that movie, <laughs> if nothing else. So he was a, a bright spot in a, yes. a not so great movie. Um, he had a yeah. small role in Joker, which seemed a little oh, too yeah, small for did. like where he had, uh, where he's at in his career now. Um, I think isn't he going to be in the Eternals? Yeah, yeah, that, that's what's wild. Movies? It's wild about this cast because I mean. Uh, Three out of the five top build cast members, Haley Steinfeld, Mahershala Ali, and Bryce Tyre Henry, are all coming into the MCU in the next year to two years. So that's that's really cool. Wow, and Liz Schreiber, Schreiber is the Kingpin, which I love the Kingpin's character design. It's so cartoonishly <laughs> like just to the extreme. It's so funny. It's the cartoon version of the Daredevil version. This kingpin must have scoliosis because his head <laughs> is like between his <laughs> shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> and just the character as a whole is so funny too. Where it's like he's just quicking a pen because he's so stressed all the time. And he's like, I'm, I mean, my friends, this is like a running joke with us for a long time. You just stare at somebody and you're like, I miss my family. <laughs> 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 well, here's the thing about Kingpin, and I'll go on a little rant. I'll go on a rant about Kingpin because I, I, he is like that is he's got like a very goofy style. There's like one point where his head is basically uh, center screen, and like everything around him is black. It's just a close up, but it's like really his just whole body, and it's <laughs> yeah. very awkward. But, but the, I actually think Kingpin is the best. I mean, he's he's basically the main villain here. <laughs> I think he's the best. He's one of at this point. Uh, his portrayal in this movie is one of my favorite Spider-Man villains out of any of the movies. Um, and my issue is, and again, I don't know the comics super well. I know Kingpin from like video games. Like I understand who he is, but I've never seen him portrayed quite in this way. And it's almost like any other villain in almost any other any other superhero movie, they would want this collider just for like, I don't know, to grow their evil power or whatever. But he wants it to bring his dead family back. He wants to go to another universe. It's kind of sweet. And yeah. Get, it's like, and, and like, I totally want him to succeed at that. You know, yeah. it's like, I, I totally, like if, if it was me and like, I lost my wife and kids, I would totally risk the entire world being sucked into a universal mm-hmm. uh, madness. If I could see my family again, like I get that. So I, I love, I love his story. If you throw a mustache on that uh, kingpin, it's basically Kingpin O'Rear. Whoa. Uh, there you go. O'Pen, Mike, <laughs> Pen, King, O'Rear. I don't know. We'll figure we'll it out. Right. We'll workshop it. Yeah. <laughs> I think my favorite version of Kingpin is the one from Daredevil. It's an amazing performance. So if you haven't watched Daredevil on Netflix, you have to because there's a version of Kingpin in it that will give you goosebumps. Yeah, and I was going to say that too, uh, Alex, because he is, it's so good. And it's its honestly similar to this in the sense that like they have this other motivation driving their villainous ways. I'd say that version is a little darker than this version. This version did a little bit more on the comical side, but still it's that idea that like they don't see themselves as the villain. They, they, they're like, there's a bigger purpose to what they are trying to accomplish. Well said. I, for one, didn't love vincent d'onofrio <gasps> like he does a good job but like after a while the kingpin just wear it oh man Gassed. i far preferred bullseye in the daredevil series we don't have to spend too much time no on it. I mean, not a bull- oh. 
<laughs> we'll have to talk in the chat after after the episode. No, I mean, well, the Punisher was the best. It goes, it goes, Punisher, uh, Kingpin, then Bullseye. Obviously, come on now, let's let's rank them properly. Yeah. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. But what I do like about <laughs> uh, Spider Verse Kingpin is that he's like a really formidable opponent. He kills Chris Pine, Spider Man. Uh, and, and for a bigger guy, he's pretty nimble in the final yeah. fight. Like he keeps up, he like yeah. pops up and surprises Spider-Man. Who's like this, like really quick little shifty kid. Um, but yeah, he's like a really physically imposing character. And to go off something that Michael said earlier, like th- this is a great film, like that a family can watch, but that doesn't, they, they don't defang their villains at all. Like the Prowler has this really terrifying music. The Kingpin is, you know, physically yeah. threatening and like you feel like he's almost going to win in the final fight against uh, uh, Miles. So they they really don't hold back on anything. It's not like yeah. a, like a horror movie scare scary or anything. But like the Prowler, there's like a I had a couple like jump scare moments when he's chasing when he's chasing Miles. And the ultimate villains aren't. They're not really kiddish. If you like think about it, they're all kind of intense and like green guy, like ultimate goblin is this giant like dragon thing that takes up like the majority of the screen. Um, Scorpion is literally a half scorpion cyborg. Like, they're not like as silly as honestly the regular P- Spider-Man's villains are like, they're all kind of like more goofy comic booky, like the old comic books. These ones are a little more intense looking. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to ask you, Tommy, about uh, that Green Goblin, because I, I, I'm not sure. I, I've seen what he looks like at the comics, and I didn't ever think he was that big. But I, I don't know if Phil or Chris Miller, like, I think maybe like their solution to making things more daunting is just to scale it up like times four. Right. I think that's the move. Yeah, no, that is like from the comics. But it's actually they actually made it more. They try to help. Uh, they put like the cap on it. That's not on his ultimate costume. They they try to blend it a little bit more with the green goblin. We all know, but yeah, the ultimate version is just as like giant, like goblin dragon. And everyone's like, well, this is kind of, I remember in the comic, people kind of were like, I don't know how to feel about this version of the green Mm -hmm. goblin. Mm -hmm. He can shoot fireballs. That's one of his things. He just shoots little fireballs at people. Yeah. The original comics. So yeah, the, the, his actual goblin form is from the ultimates timeline and the original, uh, continuity green goblin just looks like a bad Halloween costume. (laughs) (laughs) Just this gaudy purple and green color. Um, uh, I, I was going to say earlier, Lily Tomlin voices Aunt May in this. What an amazing cast! I love this rendition of Aunt May that has like more agency as a character. She's not like this "woe is me, Uncle Ben is dead." Like she she picks up a baseball bat when they're fighting at her house. She she's in on uh, Peter Parker's uh, her dead nephew's activities as spider-man she knows the secret hideout how to get in she helps um, miles with his web shooters and costume so i just really uh, i don't know i like seeing her like that and not being so helpless like she is in a lot of other uh versions that we've seen you you mentioned the scene um the the whole house fight uh Again, that that has got to be like one of my favorite action sequences out of any of the Spider-Man movies because there's like 
there's so much going on within like the house and and eventually it, it moves to like the entire residential neighborhood but there's so much going on like cuz you get you get uh scorpion you get uh uh octavia you get i mean it's everybody just clashing and it's just so cool you, i mean just every again just every single minor minor detail from like a tail going up and like scraping the top of the wall while like three other characters are fighting in the background and it's not like they're just punching they're like doing like mm-hmm. very inventive fighting styles so it's like it's like just such a visual spectacle that entire scene and all the while there's this higher stakes emotional thing happening with Miles and the Prowler which i guess we can spoil it miles's uncle is we probably we might have mentioned this earlier but miles's uncle who he looks up to um is kind of his role model is the prowler who's there at spider-man's death and he just finds this out before the fight so his whole world is falling apart during this scene and i I just love the emotional weight of that scene where like that kind of sets in and and jake johnson spider-man's like you gotta go kid like i don't know that's that whole scene just hits me and then when uh, Uncle Aaron dies, I don't. I I almost like cried at that moment. That like that's up there with like Mufasa and Bambi's mom. Like for animated character deaths, it's it was so impactful. Even though his uncle is a villain, his uncle is the only one that like actually listened to him and what he wanted to do with the creativity and like exploring his art and stuff. His uncle was the one pushing. Him. His dad and his mom were more of like. Like, they weren't listening to him. It was like, no, you have to go down this path. And, like, obviously his, his parents are great, too. Like, they they want what's best for him. And there was, like, another emotional scene is when he's, like, tied up, well, webbed up, and he has to listen to his dad at the door, and he can't answer it. And his dad's, like, having a heart-to-heart. Like, that scene always gets me because it's, like, his dad's trying to connect, and his dad's this hardened cop that, like, has a hard time, and he's he now thinks his son's like ignoring him and he can't do anything because he's, he's webbed up. <laughs> the emotion yeah. in the movie is very strong throughout the whole thing. Whether they're going for a laugh, a tear, whatever it is, it really hits you hard. And I really think part of it, and we talked about this, is the 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 visual presence. It really draws you in. For me, I found myself feeling like I was in a comic book. And so that really transported me like to the story. I felt like I was there every step of the way. It, I think it goes to show like if you put time into, you know, the product, like someone put a lot of thought into the style they wanted this, this movie to be. And it really paid off in dividends in my opinion, because it makes the emotional scenes more impactful. It makes the action scenes more fun to watch. The comedy is, you know, that's just in the writing and the, in the speaking itself. But the, I, I don't think we can praise just how strong visually this movie is because it, it helps those impactful moments. Um, I don't, that's something I appreciate. And I've probably said this before on the podcast about the medium of like cartoons or animation is that like just so much more is possible in the world like this, this movie is is as high concept as like a Rick and Morty, but the animation quality is just a ninety million dollar budget worth of quality, and it looks amazing, it feels amazing, soundtrack's amazing. Um, one thing I love about Spider Man movies in particular too is just like 
uh, like the almost sense of like vertigo you get, like you feel like you're, you're swinging through the city with him. And this yeah. movie does a great job of it. It's, it's super like kinetic. Um, when he's like the first time when, uh, when he meets, uh, Jake Johnson's, um, Spider-Man in the graveyard. And then he's like dragging his body th- along the subway they're you know weaving between cars and he they kind of call back to that later once he's a little more established but it's i don't know it's just kinetic is the only word i can think of for it it's a great way to describe it it's so funny like there and it's like almost like it it, and it's it's intentional funny but it's like also kind of comes off like it's not like it's like like that scene i was gonna mention because it is so funny when they're like going through the subway they're getting chased and he's like He's so panicked for 90% of this movie of like he does not know what he's doing whatsoever. That was funny. And also when they were stealing the computers oh and the yes. uh and he's like invisible and he's like running around with this computer. It's so funny. Yes. There, there's a number of chase sequences throughout this. And, and I think one of the things that makes them all not just because yeah, that the one with uh with Peter B. Parker, that's it is probably more silly, but and some of the other ones. And basically every single chase sequence, he's still learning how to swing his webs, which makes it, it's almost like you're in a dream and you can't run away from the monster. And, and I think that raises the stakes of all of these different chase sequences where he can't (laughs) really get away. I also want to throw out right, right before the chase sequence after they uh, they steal the goober. um, One of my favorite, and and this is probably, it's probably gotten pretty famous at this point. I've seen it on Twitter a lot, but if you haven't seen it, uh, it's a good one to catch, but uh, obviously one of uh, Peter B. Parker's goals in there is to get a bagel. And when they're running away, he throws the bagel behind him and it hits somebody in the head and it just says bagel. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the <laughs> word. The effect. SFX. Yeah. 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 And, uh, it, it's like, it's like a, it's like a point point two five second <laughs> joke, but I love it. For most of this movie, he's, a uh, miles is a fumbling hero. Like he's not graceful. He's not good at what he does. And that is, or at least was like the original core of Spider-Man is Peter Parker in the comics was this kid who like, you know, wasn't cool, wasn't popular, was a bit of a nerd. Uh, and, and so it, it takes you back to basics. And I, th- I think it just makes the movie so, so much more fulfilling when he is in that last sequence, which I love how they structure it. It's not until the very end of the movie that Miles gets his comic book introduction, the montage, and, and at the end of the movie is his introduction to the world as Spider-Man, which yes. I think is great narratively. Now, when I was watching this, I was like, do we think a spider can actually go invisible? Oh, uh, There's probably one that can camouflage out there, I would imagine. Oh, I guess camouflage makes sense. I was like, an invisible yeah. spider is absolutely terrifying. I don't know why this didn't sink in more that I was like, oh, a spider you can't see. That's yeah. chill. Well, I think even weirder than that is he had and Tommy might can inform a bit more of the comic book side of the stuff because it is interesting. He's got his own set of powers, but one of them being electricity, he can kind of con and we see a little bit of it towards the end, um, but he kind of conjures up electricity and he can use that, which I don't know if there are any electro spiders. <laughs> That's another thing I don't Maybe it was just that one, that one that bit on the button. 
Yeah, I believe it's considered like a venom blast. Okay, yeah, yeah. is what it's considered. Attracts. But it's, yeah, I mean there are spiders based around this. I think like the invisibility was like inspired by like spiders like camouflage and stuff. I'm trying to look up quickly like because before I've seen like there's specific spiders that they said like inspired those powers. Um, but yeah, I, like I said, I think it is cool that they gave these. Um, that he didn't just have the same power as a Peter Parker. He's his own entity. And like, there's some things in his comic books that like, it's interesting to see how he handles things compared to like Peter, because he doesn't have the skills that Peter has. The, 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 there's like the spider sense. Yeah. He doesn't, I believe he doesn't have a spider sense of sorts, or at least in the comic book version, I, I had to look that up to be sure, but there's certain things that he doesn't have that, that Peter does. And he has to handle it because of that, you know? Mm-hmm. One spider moment that I really loved is like towards the beginning of the movie when he first gets bit, they like they they follow the spider as it's crawling up his arm and like through his sleeves or whatever. Zoom in really close. The music gets really tense and then he like sees it. It bites him and he just slaps it off. And it's just like another one of those moments. They're like, we know the lore (laughs) or just, you know, going to play it off real quick. We don't have to dwell on it make it a funny light moment and it really was and they, they did a similar thing with um when he's first talking with jake johnson spider man where he starts saying with great power and jake johnson cuts him off he's like don't don't finish that <laughs> or as miles's dad would say with great ability comes great accountability ah did he say that i didn't even catch that he says at the beginning and then uh miles is like that's not how it goes <laughs> I like that it pokes fun at itself. That's part of what, like, you know, a multi-dimension, it gets very meta. And so those meta jokes at, like, the lore of Spider-Man, just the everyone knows this story, that that makes it really fun without, like, dwelling on humor. You know, we don't need those fart jokes, the pantsing jokes, because there's a lot of strong comedic things that are not in the script, per se, if that makes sense. And so I, I think it's it's brilliantly done how they do it. it. It plays on itself while still being something unique and fresh. Um, one thing I love in the final battle, I know we're jumping around everywhere, but it's fine. whatever. Um, th- there are, this is something I love in any, when any movie does this. And when, uh, so I just love when a movie will call back to an earlier line to 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 bring the the story full circle and they they in the final battle i counted it today there are four callbacks to earlier lines (laughs) earlier story moments and you know what it doesn't cheapen the effect they all still work even though it happens within like two minutes they call back to uh when peter b parker first says wash the hands uh when miles snatches the goober from him miles uh, does the swipe kick to to trip Peter B. Parker, and then he tells him it's he's got to take a leap of faith. And then when he's zapping uh, Kingpin for the last time, he does the shoulder touch in honor of his uh, late uncle Aaron and says, "Hey!" And then that's how he beats the final mm-hmm. villain. I just love those, and, and I don't know. I'm corny for I don't know cheesy stuff like that. You're um, horny for cheesy stuff like that. I mean, cheese in general. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah maybe. <laughs> Who knows? I like what I like. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that was something I noticed that, like, uh, in Mitchell's Rest of the Machines, like, I noticed they did that a couple times. I was like, oh, 
that's just like a trick that Lord and Miller have up their sleeve to like, uh, <laughs> to imply like emotional impact or like a narrative arc. It's like, okay, I see what you're doing now. Yeah. I don't know. Um, that, that might be another, like one of the few things that I kind of roll my eyes at in this whole movie is, is that, that, uh, the final, Hey, like, uh, yeah. I felt like that one was probably just, uh, did you, like, I, I didn't I know that too far. Yeah. It wasn't because even in the context of the way uncle Aaron was, he was, it was like a, it was like a pickup line basically. <laughs> and I just doesn't, I don't know that it even works in the same, like he didn't have to say, Hey, you know, I, I get the joke, but. <laughs> yeah it's uh it's, it's goofy for sure that's fair um the final battle altogether though is i mean even more of a visual highlight like the colors are just like so trippy the whole time there's this weird bubbly percolating effect that looks really cool yeah and, and they're all like they're navigating uh like debris and buildings flying into this wormhole i don't know it's it's so cool yeah no i would say up to when like Miles changes his suit, and which is like such a cool suit that he he like, he, and the Ooh. fact that he uses spray paint. But then he does that like it's the coolest. Yeah, then he does the jump off the building and leading into that. And I'm like, all this is just it's so clever and and visually just really wild. Uh, and then yeah, like then the battle going jumping from building to building. Uh, you see all the different spider versions fighting and it's cool to see how the combos work like it'd be it's cool enough if, if miles was on his own but it's it's fun to see how each of them are using their skills and their abilities and how they're at this point they're they are a team this is the new avengers it's, forget about the avengers we got forget the spider avengers, the avengers now yeah, yeah. <laughs> um i love that moment where there's like the three or four spider people in a row like punch and kick uh doc ock yeah. Um, my favorite so part of the, the battle, I guess it's towards the end of it, is when a spider pig is leaving and jumping into the world <laughs> wormhole and he says, That's all, folks. And, and Peter B. Parker is like, Is he allowed to say that legally? <laughs> as a call, a reference is, to Is he allowed to say that? It's, it's uh, so great. Also, is is he a cannibal? Because he eats a hot dog <laughs> at a serum. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's a cannibal. Yeah. Can we support yeah. this? <laughs> oh, man. I support him just uh, for his en- entrance alone when he literally is like, oh, my hand is wet from just washing it. <laughs> and they don't have no like, reason. Like, that's I don't know why. And it's dripping wet. They don't it's, explain yeah, it. They either. never address yeah. It's yeah. so yeah. funny to me. It's like top notch. Well, well, and comedy. I believe what I think no. 22 is. <laughs> no, it's so he's funny. He's not a pig that was bitten by a spider. I believe he was a spider that was bitten by a pig. The other line I really like uh, from the, the final battle is um, Peter B. Parker says to, to Miles, he's like, I'm really proud of you. I feel like he's like, I feel weird. Do I want kids? Like re- reassessing his life priorities. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, so great. Well, that was a cool moment for him because like his arc mm-hmm. was like that. But, but, you know, like it, it was it was great. Cause it was like the whole thing with him and like, um, you know, Mary Jane and like, that's what she wanted. And he couldn't give her that. And like, then he, we see that he, he could be a good dad. He kind of was a, a dad. Miles, Miles has a lot of dad. Things. That's true. He's, he's being a little greedy, <laughs> you know, maybe some people want dads grateful. who can't get that. <laughs> yeah. <a little> ungrateful. 
He had three great yeah. dad figures. <laughs> One of them was his arch nemesis for a little, but we can look beside. We can look past that. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. He didn't try to kill him or anything. It's it's chill. I was just gonna say, uh, talking about some of like the goodbyes. Uh, I like. Uh, I really like. Spider Gwen's goodbye, and I, and I think again this yeah. is like a good one for like my kids to watch and learn about, and um, because again uh, the '90s kids movies it was like the boy and the girl fall in love, but here it's again it's just like it, it's an example of uh, a, a healthy platonic relationship, and uh, I mean we even talked about how her original relationship with Spider-Man might've been a little bit weird. So I guess if my kids were hanging out with a 34 year old man, I might start to have a bit more questions, but I guess we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Again, I think he was younger, but uh, <laughs> that, that being said, I do like it Cause so they originally did write it where it was going to be way more romantic between them. And they scrapped all of it. They threw it on the floor. It just didn't work in the movie. It was too much. And I yeah, because of the age <laughs> difference. How old? What is the age difference? Is it that much? It's like I don't know. I don't know. But either way, it's like yeah. Um, I don't think it needs it. This movie, you movies don't always need a romance to get to. I felt that way about like Captain America. It's one of my favorite movies. But like I'm like as much as they've now built up the Peggy thing. I'm like you don't need it. Like it doesn't always need yeah. that kind of. Um, vibe in movies uh, nowadays yeah i don't know that it would pass the bechtel test but it's for like fairly progressive for a comic book i movie. don't think it passes just um, just thinking off the top of my head i don't believe it passes probably not <laughs> which is not something i like that makes or breaks a movie for it's me important, as i though. say this to a group yeah it's four men four men. we don't pass There's, the test yeah. ourselves but it is important and i think i think the fact that gwen uh, is a, a character that can stand on her own and has her own identity um, in in the Spider-Verse s- speaks to, like, is, is a positive message in and of itself. Uh, are there any other big moments from the film that you guys really like? It's tough because it, 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 just looking at my notes here, it's not, there's, like, most of my notes are just those tiny details. Like, I, I would watch for, like, I'd watch for like 60 seconds and I'd pause it and just write for like another 60 seconds. So this, and again, that's why this movie took me so long to get there. Cause this was some of them. Let me, let, let's hear some of your notes. Uh, one thing I really liked was, I mean, again, just subtle stuff, but in, in miles's world, it's Coca soda. But then when you go to Peter B Parker's world, it's Coca-Cola. And it's just, again, those <laughs> tiny little details. So, uh, yeah. And, and uh, planet Inglewood. Uh, that's another one. It's not playing Hollywood. It's playing Inglewood. So, um, but yeah, again, they just pack so much that's in pretty here. Great, so much. Tell me any other uh, th- thoughts, moments from the movie that you loved? Yeah, I mean, I love the ending stuff. I mean, we haven't. I, I love what it's setting up. I think Spider Man two thousand two thousand ninety nine is a fun thing to explore, and what they're going to do with that. Also, I mean. <laughs> The meme. The it meme. Was, <laughs> it was great. I'm glad they yeah. did. They really touched on any Spider-Man yes. tropes, anything that's like been made fun of in the world. They they hit every single one of them. And the fact that the two Spider-Mans pointing at each other was in this movie is yeah. so funny to me. And that's what I mean by like Lord and the, the writers great. really capture like our collective sense of humor at this point in time, which is very, very rare. Um, the Spider-Man 2099 tease is awesome. Voiced by Oscar Isaac. 
Who's else going to play Marvel's Moon Knight at in something in the future? Man, they have they have everyone in this freaking movie, man. It's great. So I I think this was such a great movie. I just think we talked a little bit about like uh, feats and numbers before. We talked about how uh, this was the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature the year it came out. I think something to note is it's also the first non-Disney slash Pixar movie since 2006, which was Happy Feet. But like 12 years of Disney and Pixar just dominance. And like this came in. And if you think about it, this is like the most standout. Like, I don't know. I'd be able to name any of the other 12 that took place between Happy Happy Feet and this one. And I think another thing is I'm just reading some of this on the Wikipedia. James Gunn, who... Uh, was writer and director for one of my favorite superhero movies, Guardians of the Galaxy, said that this is his favorite superhero film. So I just think it's cool to see that sort of like high praise from someone who knows the industry very, very well. Yeah, I think what it was able to do to it, like, I think sometimes the fault of Marvel is they have to worry about every other movie. So they can't just do like a multiverse without discussing it with every other person. And every it's everything has to be felt out and everything and then with this it really felt like they were like sony was just told these people do whatever you want we will make it work and whatever else we do with with these characters just go you know go all the way put the pedal to the metal and, and don't be shy of like introducing a character that you want to introduce like we'll make it work and i i loved that yeah i think this movie did a couple things really well one it, it proved audiences the general moviegoer can handle high concept sci-fi stories there's no need to hold back there's no need to give us a basic superhero origin story anymore Uh, i think the average consumer wants more two it cemented miles morales as the spider-man uh he's got his own playstation 4 slash 5 game now which is usually successful um right in, in my opinion it's the first successful instance of like one of these long-standing comic book characters passing on the baton it's something that is happening in the comics more and more often but none of those have really broken into the mainstream like the zeitgeist yet where like miles morales is now a household name he is for all intents and purposes the spider-man and who knows maybe for some kids more so than tom holland i think that's pretty fucking cool also not only did it beat all those Disney movies, Peter Ramsey, one of the, the three directors on the movie, is the first black uh, director to be to win in that category. So, like, not not just representation on screen, but behind screen. It has a, this huge cultural le- legacy that I, I think cements it as probably the best superhero movie, in my opinion. I, I don't have a, a, anything topping it. Yeah, it's it's uh it's definitely my I, I I probably said it might be my favorite at the beginning, but it's definitely my favorite. Uh, I don't know if anybody has Letterbox, but uh, like in Letterbox, you get to pick like your four favorite movies of all time to like showcase on your profile. And this is the only superhero movie in that category on mine. So yeah, this is uh if if I didn't say it before, I, I'm I'm putting the nail in the coffin now. This is my favorite superhero movie. Yeah, I think this movie is a great example of why sometimes animated 
is better for certain stories because you can do, you can have them jumping on buildings as buildings are falling and other things are, you can't do that live action. You know, we talked about it with, when we did a collaboration of Invincible mm-hmm. of like, there's some things in these, in, in these storylines that you cannot do live. And I, I think that's what's so cool about Into the Spider-Verse is they utilize the, the fact that it was animated to um, their benefit and the fact that like no one else can ever try what they did yeah. in this. <laughs> Good point. To to add to that, or maybe not even add to that, but um, it, it, that just made me think like this for the medium of animation too. Like CGI movies nowadays, you just you kind of chalk it up to like computers and things ha- happen automatically. But like there are you know craftspeople behind these really high tech, uh, really beautifully rendered movies, and this movie by like maybe scaling that not scaling it back a little by taking a different approach to it really makes you stop and think about the craft behind making something as visually exciting as this. And, and that's why what sets it apart from like everything else. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm getting myself more and more amped up as I talk about it. And I kind of want to go back and rewatch it again. But that's um, what's so great about this movie is there's so many good things. It's not just one thing that it succeeds in. It literally is like top of the game for so many different categories. And it's not often that something comes together so well and dominates, like it dominates visually, but like that's not all it's, it's not a a crutch. It's not Mm -hmm. all it relies on. Like if you were to take out the sick, beautiful animation, this would still be a damn good movie. You know what I mean? Like if this was normally animated, it would be, Still top notch, but the fact that it's this on top of all of it, it's just great. It's, I get what you're saying. I've been more amped <laughs> up talking about it the more we've been going on. It's, yeah. it's really well done. So there is the sequel slated for 2022. As far as we know, Oscar Isaac, uh, I think most of the main cast will be returning, but Oscar Isaac will be joining probably in a more prominent role. Uh, I would assume Issa Rae is joining the cast. Um, are there any things? Uh, comic book elements or anything really are are there any things that you would hope to see out of a sequel well there's so many rumors surrounding the upcoming far or no way home uh tom holland spider-man movie and what 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 that's gonna entail honestly and i i feel weird even talking about those rumors but um i mean all intents and purposes, it's supposed to be another Spider. It, it it seems like it could be a live action Spider Verse movie, and I, I guess I want a lot of that movie to inform what I want in Spider Verse too. And I I think they probably want the same thing, um, but I think and a lot of people I guess on their wish list is have Andrew Garfield and Tom uh, or uh, Tobey Maguire come into those movies. I, I'm not that guy. Uh, I prefer to keep those live action universes separate if we can at least those initial Spider-Man. So with that being said, I think I would rather have Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire come into the animated version, have them voice themselves as animated figures. I think that would be a lot of fun. I think it would make sense too. So there were scenes shot for the first one. Um, I believe there were all three where Tom Holland is quoted as like saying like, I shot something where I was like on the, like he's like, I voice or shot. He's like, I voice something where it was like, I just like waved to Miles Morales and was like, Hey dude, or something like that was like, he they, there was recorded. So I could see them bringing that mm. into the next film and, and trying to do something with those characters. Um, but it makes me wonder if they didn't do that, that might inform 
that they might have had a greater plan to do that somewhere else, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. The other thing we haven't talked about is, like, I believe this was the first cameo by Stanley after he passed. It was, like, right around that. And, like, that always – his oh. his lines in that store. It always, anytime I hear Stanley, I get goosebumps now. Uh, and and I really felt like he had a fun, you know, little banter talking about it. The suit always fits with his – you know, the suit will, will fit eventually or something mm-hmm. like that. It was – you know, he's, he's why we're all here st- – you know, why this still exists. It's crazy. I absolutely love his cameos. It's such a nice touch. Mm-hmm. And I love that even though this isn't a Marvel-owned movie, that they still throw that in there. That's like such a, a great touch. And it's like a sign of respect to me. And like you said, Tommy, it'll give you goosebumps sometimes when when he hits with that right line. Yeah, and Spider-Man was one, I believe his, I don't know if he had favorites, but this was one that really uh, meant a lot to him. It was like a, when he talked about Peter Parker, he said like it was a, it was a big thing for him to make a character that was a high schooler and to make a character with flaws, just like any, yes, he's superpowered, but he has flaws just like any other high school kid. And the way he talks about the Spider-Man and specifically Peter Parker, it definitely meant a lot to him. And to have, like you said, the fact that this isn't a Marvel, technically a Marvel property, but they were still like, no, we, we would like to have you in here because it shows the respect um, that they have for him. Uh, one thing that I read somewhere, and I don't—I have a feeling this might have been something they thrown in after the fact because it is a very minor detail. Um, but apparently, in all any scene that you see a train, if you pause it, you'll be able to see Stanley in the train sitting. So, uh, yeah, I, I haven't actually seen it myself, but I have—I have heard that. So that's sweet. That's cute. I was just reading something else where he possibly voiced the I'm well I'm saying it says uh he voiced the JJ Jameson in the post credits in the future version with Spider-Man 2099. Uh Stanley was the voice oh. of that. So he's all over the movie. Yeah. Rest in peace, Stanley. Your presence is missed. Um for me personally, I would love to see uh, them explore a, a Scarlet Spider, which is something from the comics where Peter Parker has a clone. Um, got a, it was it was like the '90s or the 2000s, a very '90s costume design where he's got this like shredded, like sleeveless hoodie thing happening. But I don't know. I think that'd be a cool <laughs> Spider-Man doing Ben clothing. Riley, right? Isn't that the name of the yeah, Ben yeah, Riley? Yeah. Yep. After <laughs> what? That's so random. <laughs> Um, Anybody who knows me knows that I'm a big fan of the uh, casual denim jacket here and there. I've got a Star Wars themed <laughs> one. I've got I've just got like a general movie themed <laughs> one. But I also have a Spider-Man jacket that I didn't wear today, unfortunately. Um, but it's very much uh, modeled after Spider-Punk. So um, it's got spikes on it and everything. Mm-hmm. So I would like to see nice. Spider-Punk and Spider-Verse 2. Listen, this is audio. We could lie to everyone. Yes, all of us have dressed up like a different Spider-Verse character. I don't know if... <laughs> That's a really yeah. cool jacket. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate it, guys. Yeah. I am dressed up like uh, Peter Porker. Uh, you look amazing as Peter Porker. I can't tell the difference, Tommy. Thank you. Don't question why my hand's wet. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it might cover some similar t- territory as Penny Parker, but there was like a, like a sixties or seventies Japanese Spider-Man live action show where he has like a big mecha <laughs> and like a, like almost like a power Rangers type vibe. I would love to see that. In a, in a future. 
I love this movie. I love talking about this movie. I'm probably going to watch it again. I kind of dozed off during my first viewing. Tried to skim through a little bit before the pod. <laughs> I definitely need to sit down and watch it again. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably watch it another 300 times before I die. So, Well, if you're like us uh, and you're going to watch this again after listening, hit one of us up. Let us know what you think, thoughts, agree or disagree with anything. Uh, this has been very fun to cover this with you guys. I, I appreciate you coming on and uh, d- talking about uh, all things Spider-Man and all things Spider-Verse. That's what's great about the Spider-Verse is we can cover any Spider-Man topic and it's technically on topic. <laughs> um, so if you guys like Spider-Man comic books, superheroes, or other Marvel properties specifically and or Star Wars, you guys should check out Michael and Tommy's podcast called Stark Wars. Uh, you guys just started covering Loki. Is that correct? Yeah, we're doing Loki right. and we're also doing, uh, I guess, more on the animated side. We're watching uh, the Star Wars Bad Batch as well. So, um, yeah, come check us out. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah. And uh, listen, I was on episode one of Loki. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Go check out that episode. Mm-hmm. Ooh, the, the mischief man himself. We had to get him in for the the god of mischief. Damn right. Into the podcast verse. Yeah, and if you <laughs> like other other podcasts, maybe outside of Marvel and stuff, I do another podcast with a good friend of, of ours, Jalen Jones, uh, covering Ned's Declassified. I don't know if you watched that back in the day. Uh, we're recapping all the episodes. It's called uh, the Declassified Survival Guide Podcast. Uh, you learn a lot about our high school experiences. And uh, it's great. Thing. Yeah. So check that out. A lot if of you fun. want to listen to that as well. A lot of classic high school stories, which Evan, um, you know, takes me back to when you and me were in high school. I, I, there's a lot of times I'm thinking about stuff that you and me were doing in high school when I'm listening, when I'm listening to uh, Tommy and Jalen talk about their stories. Yeah. A lot of our stories are just like Peter Parker. We're, we're just like your stereotypical high school <laughs> kid, just like uh, Mr. Peter Parker here. <laughs> well, I think that will do it for this episode of two dudes watch cartoons. Michael and Tommy, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I'm, I'm, here's to many more crossovers in the future. I'm sure we'll be uh, chatting about something else sometime soon enough. Bagel. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was perfect. Good timing. Thank you guys so much for coming, though. Uh, It was fun talking with both of you. So much fun for us. Thank you guys for having us. Uh, Hopefully we can come through this this time portal, uh, this multiverse portal. Get back to your own podcast if you jump through at the right time. (laughs) Yeah, when we drink Coke soda. Yeah. This is the this is the part where we all agree to be platonic friends and then uh, (laughs) (laughs) and we part ways. Yeah, yeah. If we go through the wormhole one more time, we'll emerge as a a foursome of four female podcasters (laughs) (laughs) talking about cartoons. Two dudettes, four gals talking cartoons. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good stuff. Oh, and on that note, I think that'll do it for this episode. Thank you guys for listening. My name's Evan. Oh, and my name is Alex. And that's Alex. <laughs> and I'm really behind, hey. but my name is Alex. Woo woo! Maybe it's four gals watching documentaries. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. <laughs>